at the moment, actually, we are at the edge of a kind of very big change in the industry. And I believe I launched the course on the right time. Mm-hmm. If I would be launching at like two years ago, people wouldn't get it at all. But right now they realize that after every update, semantics become more important and topical authority is real. And at the same time, understanding these deep semantics and the context is really helpful for you to actually rank without links. Today's episode, I'm going to sit down and talk to Koray Tugberg. If you have not heard his name before, well, let's just say that we've got a pretty big deal with us today. Farai has worked immensely on the concept of topical authority using data science, machine learning, and entity-based contextual search, and more. He worked with over 200 clients and traveled to multiple countries as a conference speaker, including the SEO Mastery Summit. I'm not going to stop there because Corai also built the perfect community that any creator and business wants and dreams of. Corai's community welcomes over 10,000 members on Facebook and more than 1,000 and students in his course. So in this episode, we will dive in how he got to his level of success and his life as an SEO and entrepreneur, and most importantly, his lessons for aspiring CMOs and online entrepreneurs. Hi, welcome everyone. We've got uh, the godfather of Topical Authority with <laughs> us. Uh, yeah, so this is the Aspiring CMO show and welcome Korai to the show. How are you? Thank you so much. And it's a great honor to be here with you. I wish I could actually join earlier, but I guess this workout better. Yeah, I can tell in the Chiang Mai in this sunny day. It's great to be here. Awesome. And oh man, I've been following your work for at least a year. And I think it was kind of a year ago or a little bit more when I first met you. Um, and I yeah. said, oh my God, he's talking like a machine. <laughs> this is so cool. Uh, but yeah, like you, you had a very, very busy year ever since. So you've been to Birmingham, the SEO Mastery Summit, Chiang Mai SEO, Budapest. So- Sofia and Zakopane. Yeah, many places actually I have been in this year. And it actually worked really great because I wanted to democratize some of the concepts that I have actually found to help the people and thanks to all these conferences and all these speeches we actually created or let's say reinforced our community with the new members as well it's always great to be connected with SEO communities face to face so it is worth that yeah it is really awesome you have like 9,000 members on your public public community yes actually we have like another maybe 1,000 uh, member requests but usually we accept them if they answer all the questions so or we make them wait sometimes just for three months four months in the request section because even even if there's a free public community we don't accept everyone we just try to check the profile one by one and we do a kind of let's say try to create a culture there that's why we are careful a little bit. okay well that's awesome because uh, i always seen like you have a very strong community around you and people who really respect your work and really admire and also got a lot of results from what you yeah. Teach. And I would like to like personally also congratulate you on the course launch. Thank you so much. Because <laughs> guys, if you have not taken the course, <laughs> I'm not sure. Have you even reopened the course yet? I didn't reopen it yet because I just wanted to focus on the existing members training as much as uh, possible. And until now, actually, maybe over 100 people actually shared their results publicly or privately. And I am thinking about creating a web page actually with all these results, with all these, let's say, the thank you messages and the videos as well. We are also gathered lots of let's say video reviews about the course too but probably maybe in two months i will be reopening it by adding new lectures as well and 
we work on the course like two years. It wasn't that easy. We recreated it like six times. At the beginning, it was 85 hours and I had to compress it to the nine hours. So it wasn't easy to make it like pipeline or streamlined with certain concepts, steps, and with a repeatable process for every, let's say, topic for every industry. So that's why it's a little bit unique, I can tell. It is, uh, but the course launch was extremely successful in my eyes because it's a high ticket course, guys. So uh, for those of you who don't know, um, and those of you know, it's a high ticket course. And it's also, you had uh, 1,000 slots in the first yeah. round, which sold out in like a month or something, which is Yeah, amazing. very quickly. And yeah. in reality, also the in four minutes, in the first four minutes, first 100 slot already are bought in just four minutes. And these people will be getting the lifetime membership for all the updates as well. We will always be keeping them because they are the people who believe in us. So we also appreciate that. And in one month, we sold actually a little bit more than that to because they were insisting on in a really good way. And then we opened the coaching group as well with around 70 people. We just created like around 11 hours of new recordings with new projects there as well. We will be doing three more lectures, but I guess I won't be doing the group coaching again, or we will see according to the situation because it takes really good amount of time. And I guess in our industry, no one does the group coaching too, because it requires you to being tested from seven to different eyes with seven to different angles, perspectives, and the questions. I'm okay with that, but for let's say 90 minutes a day, you need to spend entire day to be able to prepare a curriculum according to the needs of the people. For instance, some of them are from Forex industry, then you need to find a Forex project from your past. And I, I am lucky because I am working like 16 hours a day and eventually I have a project from their industry. So I'm able to show it, but again, it's a little bit tiring, I can tell. And the one thing I would like to highlight from this, everyone, is that you take so much effort to give everyone a special treatment in your course, your coaching, your DMs, <laughs> uh, your, your Facebook posts. And I really admire that. And um, but, but could you like walk me through what happened before the launch? Because I, I see that you have built a very strong community even before the course yes. launch, right? Yes. The, the thing is that actually at the beginning, uh, for example, at the beginning, actually, you just love helping people and you love search engine optimization and you won't even do that actually for free. Once you actually love doing something, you don't expect someone to actually pay you. And since I love SEO and also helping people in a way that it started to create a kind of community around me, but I didn't gather people into the same place. And someone told me that, why don't you create a group on Trello or sorry, on Telegram or Discord or Reddit or also Facebook. Then we created it and everyone wanted to join. And then YouTube channel started to come, then other places started to come. And most things actually happen without a proper planning, to be honest, because once you have the people around you, after a point, you realize that you are not able to answer everyone and you are not able to help everyone. Yeah. For example, in, in even this conference, people come to me and they show me a LinkedIn chat from two years ago or Facebook chat from, again, three years ago. And they tell me, we talked before, do you remember you look at here? And I answer a question there for them. It's a great feeling, to be honest. I'm not lying. It's a great feeling to be able to be helping for all these people. But I launched the course by telling that one person can't change everything. I am trying to change the SEO culture because every year we realize that we are talking about the links less while we are talking about more and more data science, machine learning, artificial intelligence, or engineering concepts. And the change in the industry requires also change in our cultures as well. And our community is the first one who actually dedicates itself to help people for, let's say, ease the process of this, change yeah. for them. And that's why I can tell that we created a strong community and now they are connected to each other. We did our first meetup here. It was 
beyond my expectation. I didn't oh, yeah. expect that much people, to be honest. The mastermind we did, it was great too. And you also learn how to run a community. It's a different job. Yeah, it, is, it, is, it is. It's a very, very different job because people get everything different sometimes. I, I will give just two experiences. I love answering questions in my communities. and But sometimes, imagine that there are five questions. You answer four of it. And then you don't have time or you have to take Novalgene or Minoset for your migraine. Oh, no. Then you go. And the fifth person thinks that he doesn't answer me because he doesn't like me. So I'm not blaming the fifth person's angle, but it's not the situation. For instance, you just are tired and you stop answering there, but the people always find a way to get resentment. Even in the mastermind that we did here, people, a few people messaged me by telling that why I am not in the mastermind. So I didn't handle the in invitations by myself, to be honest, but at the same time, it's not possible to invite everyone and eventually someone will get a little bit lesser resentment. And step by step, I am learning how to deal with these type of expectations or resentments. It's but I can tell it's a different art. It, it's a full-time job. Hi, if you listen to this far, thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoy the show, please leave me a review on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or my YouTube channel. If you have any feedback for the show, please let me know on the Aspiring CMO Podcast social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, or send me an email on my website. Now let's get back to the episode. And I really would like to say, like, thank you, how much you really care, because a lot thank of people you. don't even get to this point. Like, oh, people got resentful. <laughs> like, um, exactly. And I think that's one of the takeaways we can get from here is like the way, the way you have built this strong uh, brand, the persona, the course, everything is comes from your kindness and your, I guess, mission to help others. It's true, actually. And when I lost actually 3,000 websites in a single, basically, when I lost my PBN in 2018, I started started to come to the white hat industries then i realized that the pure white hat agencies to be honest they didn't know nothing properly and they believed that whatever googlers said and it started to annoy me a little bit then i started to write case studies and i started to help people my first mission was basically actually preventing people to have the same destiny like losing 3000 websites millions of dollars and also sometimes friends and since i have paid a really heavy price on that specific medic update i just wanted to show people that this type of harsh updates might happen and you can save yourself while listening just to googlers or pure white hat show type of agency Agencies. So you need to read the patents, the research papers, you need to be testing all the time and you need, have, you need to have a kind of trustworthy, solid testing group together with yourself or with your friends. And eventually all these shares that we do through the years, maybe over three years now actually, and we have written over half a million words to just explain these things. And after a point, it started to create a culture and I didn't plan it again. It just happens on the way. Mm -hmm. So you were not even like strategic at the beginning, like two years ago, <laughs> you're like, I'm going to build the biggest <laughs> SEO community no. i will confess i will confess something one day i am working again and if you are coming from black hat especially in istanbul it's just you and google you never talk someone else and especially in istanbul it's very dangerous to work in casino because you can end up in jail that's why we always have a very close very very close group and you can tell other people what you are telling because they can call the police and give your address and send you to the court so that's why it was very close and i actually protected that let's say privacy and distance for a really long time. I, I wasn't that, let's say, reachable for 
I was just publishing, answering, but I didn't become friends with no one. I didn't go beyond that. And once, this is the confession, again, I am working like 2020 or something or 2021. I published again another case study. People love that. Someone reached out to me and to told me that, hey, do, do you want to do an interview? And it was the first time actually someone offers that. The main thing is that I even didn't know who Matt Diggity is. Mm. And in the interview too, I don't know who he is. So I am that outside of these strategical things or etc. And one friend actually told me that I can give the name. It's okay. Paul Jensen. And we worked with him like three years ago for a few projects. We helped and we create again his some of project in my case studies. And after seeing the difference there, he also wants to continue and we became friends eventually. He told me that after that interview, you will get really busy. I didn't get what he means to be honest, because I literally knew no one mm -hmm. because I was always like this, read the patent, read the research paper, check what Google does, what Google is changing and check your PBN network or your websites and take the precautions and continue. I was like a lab person or engineer, basically, yeah. I can tell. So I didn't plan any of these, to be honest. All right. That also comes from like a venue, very, very genuine and how to say the hard way, but people don't want to accept, like just sit down, do the work and <laughs> right. <laughs> that is what I see. And this is why I really admire your work is like you very pretty much sat down and you understood uh, Google patterns. And in the course and some of the other interviews uh, you had, you said um, people should be thinking like like you sh should have a machine learning logic yeah which like i like the term what does this mean though so when you do the search engine optimization at the end of the day you create a certain type of data in the form of a website and even if your website is very good for the users and every website owner thinks that their content is great even if it is not but you have a kinds of website in the form of data and your website once it has been processed by the algorithm you need to understand that algorithms are connected to engineers and engineers are humans and they have limited amount of resources and as an engineer let's say that I work in the Google let's say I let's say I just rank your website and then you turn your website into a casino website and we were doing this by the way we were just using lots of let's say phantom links which means we just push all the links to the website we rank it and we remove the links because sometimes you increase page rank suddenly and even if you remove the backlinks from the website or the web page it continues to stay at the top the main thing here is that engineer let's say they trust their algorithm trust our website but then and we turn the website into the casino. Despite previously, it was a recipe website, for instance. Oh. So we exploited the engineer's trust a lot. And whenever we exploit their trust, they created another algorithm that checks the decision of the previous algorithm. And this started to create a kind of hierarchy of the algorithms until search engine starts to trust you. And in this context, when we say that try to create a website by understanding the machine learning, we mean that try to understand the angle of that engineer. Because every search quality engineer, and they call it actually ranked lab inside the Google. And I actually remember some of name for example no one talks about this person but Alexei Grochewski is a very important engineer for instance inside the Google and he is directly mentioning ranked lab for instance and once they create a kind of algorithm a system imagine that they actually rank you high which is completely perfect but at the same time let's say two weeks later your website goes and redirected to somewhere else in a very bad way then the engineer needs to explain this so based on that actually our entire system has been designed 
to be able to help the engineer to find a website that can decrease the cost of ranking while increasing the quality per web page and quality per second from their point of view. Because it helps engineer to explain that actually I am ranking this website because it has more triples, more accuracy. Their internal factors are good enough to convince our systems. There is not even need for external factors like page rank to flow here. So it is a kind of, let's say, SEO for communicating with the engineer on the search engine side. Hey, if you listened to this far, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to meet Korai right in person and ask him questions about topical authority and semantic SEO, or simply just say hi, join the SEO Mastery Summit from April 7th to 11th with Korai and a bunch of other SEO experts going to share their knowledge and going to party right in the center of Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Get your tickets today because we're increasing prices at the end of every single month. So I'll see you there and let's get back to the episode. So in order to summarize this with my, you know, when I took your course and I'm going to take a screenshot here, uh, I had like an inner conversation with you. So I was taking the <laughs> course and I would watch like 10 lectures and then take a session like, okay, and it's kitchen language. So in a kitchen language right now, I would be like, in order to become good at SEO, you have to think for an engineer trying to do his job well, Yes. which is uh, if I put in a query, is this website trustworthy and good enough for the user to find all the information? Yes. And also sometimes I also tell my trainees or people that I help a different type of motto about think like idiots. I also tell this, but it means something like this, because when you look at the search query as an intelligent creature, you directly get what it means. But when it comes to the engineer, they need to create a kind of algorithm that can guess and predict the meaning of the queries or let's say billions of the queries. Imagine that they are processing it with a single algorithm. Usually this single algorithm is very good for let's say 90% of the queries, but for other 10%, it is not that good. If a query has five probable meanings and the search engine will try to find a web page that is able to satisfy at least four of them. And some of these meanings might be a little bit stupid. So that's why actually when you look at the query, you know that it doesn't mean it, but still you will need to interpret that query in that way. And you need to include these subcontexts in your web pages as well. Because if you think like an intelligent creature, these meanings won't be coming there. But if you try to understand the engineer, you will guess that engineer will be actually choosing the context richness with different interpretations of the same query. That's why in the workshop here, actually, I have shown this token insertion methodology. Basically, we get a central entity, then we start to insert tokens, which means which word probably can come before, between, and after these query words. Then we get all the probabilities that can appear here. And then we try to guess what kinds of probabilities are more possible in the queries with what context. But now you are like building a sentence, right? Like when yes. you, when you, uh, it's yes. also goes into really deep, like how you actually should be structuring your sentence. Um, but for me who speaks <clears throat> multiple languages, it's almost like, oh, thank you for sharing this. Because, you know, when we learn languages as a person, yes. it's almost logic. like how Google is trying to learn your website. So let's say, let's put an example of uh, what would be a query. Um, what examples were you giving? Like probabilities, like a microphone? No. My microphone or, or anything too. Let's say, for example, sometimes I train global companies and their team mm -hmm. and there they usually have like 30 SEOs, 40 writers, etc. And I always tell them that when you get these probable probabilities, one thing that search engine does, it is called phraseification. Basically, they get the query verse and they phraseificate, which means that they try to use this query verse in a sentence. They get all the possible sentences and rather than matching the words in the query, they try to match the context of sentence in the context of the web page. Oh, yes. Okay. Like, I think that was an example in your, I think it was your affiliate lab uh, it might be it is a pound for example the word 
pound. It can have a different meaning. It could be yeah. like the, the, the currency of uh, Britain. Yes, true. Like, and it could be also the, um, uh, like how heavy, like the measurement <clears throat> yeah. of weight. So in a sentence, like um, how Google would be predicting yeah. the meaning of the pound for example, comes from the words around Definitely. It. And for example, the word dop. Dop actually in a slang language, it means great. But also there are companies with the name of dop. It might be a nicotine pouch company, it might be a cigarette company, or it might be a slang word. Even if you use actually Google Translate, and they are actually, it is actually powered by the language API of the Google, you will realize that Google Translate, sometimes it translates the word do correctly, sometimes it is mistaken, because sometimes they don't recognize that specific entity there in a really good way as well. So all these probabilities, imagine that, they always run these probabilities, and let's say you have half million sentence in your website. First thing that they check actually accuracy of these triples of these things, and this is something that we call distributional semantics, which means from first page to the last page of the website, they actually do this statistical check first. Then they start to go the relevance part, which means actually based on the web page, whether you are close enough to the query or not. Even if you are not close enough to the query, they can actually use the passage ranking, which means they don't rank the web page, but they rank a passage from the inside of the section because they also realize that there are really quality articles, but they are not ranked properly because web page is not close enough to the query in terms of relevance and they try to eliminate it and this is again a kind of engineered perspective they eliminate one factor and focus another one for certain type of queries so you're saying when people uh, no, so when google is like crawling my website it's not just crawling one single web page it's kind of crawls the whole website every single page in order to understand like whether my content about the yes. british pound is correct or not yes and also this is highly important for site-wide quality signals because let's say 30 percent of your website is really quality but let's assume that other 70 percent actually comes from 2010 and already decay in this case actually that other section will be harming your overall rankings in this context so that's why actually keeping your website always active is important a person i have a rule every web page of the website should be updated at least every six months and usually i try to update 20 percent of the web page and this is something that i call content configuration which is also inside the course as well we basically configure it according to the new search behaviors and search engine in every core update they changes the meanings these probable probabilities from their point of view it starts to change and based on this change we also try to change our documents or add new context or remove some of them. Mm. so again like kitchen language here <laughs> <laughs> right, um, okay. uh, is so i think it's just the way you explain things right it kind of shows how deep and how accurate google uh crawling has become mm -hmm. because i think most of the time i consume a lot of seo Oreos, a lot of seo mm -hmm. stuff like everything um, I'm subscribed to basically and most people talk about the basic stuff like you know you have a web page talk about you know uh, if you if it's like a recipe blog then put the name of the recipe name of the dish inside the recipe yeah. and call it a day and of course have some headings and it's always like when well, no, I have it in the URL but that's just like a page level and uh, analysis page level and also it's very repetitive because these yeah. are like 20 years old topics and that's why actually I don't like talking about this simple stuff that much because no one needs it anymore right. we at the moment actually we are at the edge of a kind of very big change in the industry and i believe i launched the course on the right time mm -hmm. if i will be launching at like two years ago people wouldn't get it at all but right now they realize that after every update semantics become more important and topical authority is real and at the same time understanding these deep semantics and the context it's really helpful for you to actually rank without links it doesn't mean that be against it as an seo you should use every method that you can actually benefit yourself so 
or used links as well. But at the same time, if search engine starts to change their prioritization a little bit, you need to change your methodologies according to that too. For example, when you look at the language model mom, it is highly connected to the experiences. And today, the word experience even appears in this EAT concept. They actually signal their next step in the previous actual announcement. Because when you look at the mom announcement, they were talking about going to the trekking to the Fuji mountain. And based on that, they are actually suggesting you different type of, let's say, different type of shoes. At the same time today, when we look at the product reviews, it requires one more time your perspective and your experience. All these updates or all these models, all these announcements, they are connected to each other. If you see that, if you sense it, try to verify it from their patterns, research papers and announcements, then they start to actually change your content, change your website according to that. It's also one of the reasons that Quora and Reddit increased their traffic tremendously because when you look at to do uh, their articles, it's pure experience. No one in the Reddit is expert for anything, but they have the experience and opinion about it. And that's why they are actually going higher. Right. But do you think that Google is taking the domain like the Reddit because they know that like, Reddit is full of for just a forum? Or is it like the language, the way they write inside Reddit is like, Both you know, when it. I was like, <laughs> I was, uh, when I tried this medicine, it was like giving me a lot of like headaches or something. There are three things there. First of all, in terms of the passage ranking, and let's say there are 80 answers in a Reddit post. And let's assume 60 of them are inaccurate and 60 of them are, let's say, wrong. The important thing here is that in terms of passage ranking, every passage has been evaluated based on its own quality. If one passage is more quality than your entire article and every individual passages, it actually, it will be outranking you. The important thing here is that you have one passage to be tested out. They have 80 shots and eventually one of them is quality. So yes, average quality is very low there, but at the same time, it is about perspective and the experience because perspectives, which is announced by Google, basically it's perspective. It can't be wrong. It's just different. Right. I can like that Fuji mountain trekking shoes. You might not liking it and it might be because of its shape or color or something. It's not about facts. It's about experience there. And this section is important because when you look at the quarter question and 100 answers below, even if one of them is really, really quality inside it, it's good enough for convincing the search engine and they have 100 shots. But in your website, you have one answer. You have one shot there. That's why I know that it's not that fair in terms of the algorithmic approach. But from search engine's point of view, they can't kept responsible. If they rank you, if someone gets harmed because of your website, the, they can blame search engine. But if I rank Quora and if someone gets harmed because of it, it's the problem of the Quora. Mm. And at the same time, there are like 100 answers here and search engine can tell that, look, you didn't like that answer, but there are 99 others. Why don't you go inside the forum and check more or get more discussed? I love this. This is basically common sense, right? Yeah. Like this is, uh, this is actually like going back to perspective of the engineer, yeah. because as an engineer, I am trying to protect my company. If I rank the Reddit, eventually one of the answers will satisfy you. At the same time, even if you get harmed, I am not responsible. That's it for me. And I will create the algorithm for that. Whoever said Cora was difficult to understand <laughs> should just go back and rewatch this whole thing. Like, come on, kitchen language. Talk to yeah, yourself. Yeah, I try. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think Gail in the Authority Hackers was asking you uh, that if you are building a web page, uh, you really pay attention to obviously like the entity or the central entity and all the attributes and the facts. Like you, you use a lot of facts and then you, you, you use a lot of research paper as well. Um, you have a different citation. Again, it's in the course, guys, so you won't watch it. But my big question is that if you use a lot of facts and now we're talking about like Reddit experience and perspective, mm -hmm. how do you mix them in or do you like 
keep it separate. So, so yeah. this is actually, there was actually a slide about this in my Budapest speech. So I called it actually safe answers. The thing here is that even if for the factual answers, there are some certain ways that you can keep yourself safe by using linguistics. I will give a few samples. For instance, if the question is very factual, I never use modalities. For instance, if the question says, what are the reasons for cancer or causes of the cancer based on types of the cancer, it will be changing. But again, the main ones, let's say, in this type of answers, I, you can tell that, for instance, let's say, excessive coffee consumption might cause cancer. If you use the word might, based on the distributional checks or statistical checks, they will eliminate that sentence. Because any modality like will, might, could, can, these are not certainty. These are just possibility. But question doesn't ask for the possibility. It asks for a certain main factor. But still, let's say you are not sure about the excessive coffee consumption and its connection to the cancer. There is a way of making it like certain, despite it's a possibility. For instance, you can tell that excessive coffee consumption increases the chance of getting cancer. When you say increases, it's certain now. It's certain that it increases the chance. You just didn't say the possibility. So you actually say the okay. same thing, but right. with a different different twisting. And in this way, you are actually avoiding certain type of algorithms and they don't catch you in this case. You can always dodge some of these algorithms with these type of linguistic tricks. When it comes to the safe answers, for instance, the example that I have given there was actually about laser cutting. Let's say the question says that, does laser cutting, let's say clear, create clear edges or let's say X material. For, for example, this question is a Boolean question, which means yes it's a no. yes or no. Yeah. You can start by saying yes. And while expanding your evidence, you can always actually give certain conditions by telling that yes, laser cutting creates clear edges, especially for XYZ materials with ZDE functions or methods. Once you start to give these variables, the XYZ here means that some certain materials and some certain methods. First of all, search engine catches the yes, which is very certain. Then you, you actually use a similar verse in the question, which means from vectoral aspect, it, you will be having the similarity and the closeness. Another thing is that you are using the related entities, which means that actually you are you have the relevance and the connection of these entities to your, ye your yes is certain type of conditions. The next step is giving some perspectives. You can tell that, for instance, a laser cutter user reports that laser cutting can create clear edges, let's say, if you use it with water or if you use it with, let's say, pressured water or pressured water, for instance. Then you can also give some statistics and then you can also include some certain type of reports from global companies. Basically, whenever you are actually using these conditions and these extra reports, extra statements, extra explanations from a company, from a user, from a research, you're actually giving a different perspective. This is one of the advantages of actually using the important writers or authors in your industry. For example, when it comes to the numerology, if you are giving opinions of some astrologists or numerologists in your articles, and in, especially if the author is also one of these type of persons, which is recognized by Google as an entity or as a named entity, it will be helpful for you to rank actually higher at the same time as well. Okay, so what you're saying 
saying is that in order to add the unique perspective, the unique experiences, it is still safer to refer to an external party who is legit in your industry. Yes, but be careful that this external party doesn't link your competitor. I always like creating my own unique entity graph in a connected way to myself. If the person is also connected to, let's say, the Cosmopolitan or some other, let's say, websites that rank for the topic, I try to create an alternative one or I try to be linked and mentioned more than others. We had the same situation in the health tourism too. Let's say we work for the higher transplant and there are lots of doctors that we work with. Then I try to actually own the doctor as much as possible. I get their official website, link myself. I, I make them link myself from their social media accounts. It means that all the doctors in Turkey for hair transplant, first they mention me, first they link me and they appear in my website and I appear in their websites. All these actually gives me a kind of real world business perspective and also signal and it helps search engine trust the website as well. But imagine that you are mentioning X, but X appears in other place and they are linking them. And in this case, you can give the authority to your competitor mm. without wanting it. That's really smart. I love that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's also uh, a lot of uh, people also would say like, you know what, in order to just do EEAT, all you have to like change languages to change it to singular uh, first person. Like I did this in my experience. Different parts. That's why I said that laser cutting. My first answer doesn't involve it. It directly say that yes or no, then it gives conditions, materials. But when it comes to the second, third, fourth paragraph, in this case, a laser cutter user might use the language of I or a report or reporter might use this type of a language. Mm -hmm. In my content briefs, maybe I didn't share some of them in the course to keep things simple. But sometimes I ask questions like, what are the latest researchers or researchers about, let's say, diets or weight loss? It actually forces my writer to include all the scientific person type of entities there. Then I also ask like, what are the most important findings let's say, for weight loss pills in 2023. It again actually forces my writer to go and put some certain quotes from every these individual person type of entities, which are scientists. So in your content briefs, actually, you can force your writer to include these things directly there as well. When it comes to the EAT section and using the I type of language, it is usually about the experience. If the question is factual, go with expertise. If the question is, doesn't require any kinds of expertise, but if it requires a kind of, let's say, experience, then go with the eye language. For example, when it comes to the megapixel of iPhone camera, go with expertise. When it comes to how I, how good iPhone is, less iPhone camera is for taking pictures during the night, it is a bit more actually, let's say, experience because you might interpret it based on yourself. It doesn't require you to actually work on the cameras. Mm-hmm. You just look and tell good or bad. Okay, all right, that's fair, that's fair. But still, like what I'm, I'm getting from your answer is like, as like, most questions with what we put in our headings are quite factual. What is, <clears> how? to why is xyz um, and most of the niches we are in are also quite either technical or like mm-hmm. nutrition or like anything that is like sellable like it, it has some like monetary value behind it and it's uh yeah so it still like gives a hint to a lot of people that try to find a lot of scholar resources on the experts yes and uh, one, yeah like refer one, to the experts yes one more thing is that inside these factual articles you can always give first the facts then you can give your opinion for instance in the second paragraph or the last section. I always try to differentiate the location of the fact and the opinion from each other as much as possible because it also helps search engine to use which algorithm for which paragraph. They don't use the same type of algorithm, same type of linguistic models or the different type of content. When it comes to the, this paragraph, if it is, let's say, a critic, let's say, they can use a different
different language model to understand a critic or satiric. That's why I try to differentiate these paragraphs from each other in terms of their nature so that they can actually process them in an easier way as oh, well. Oh, so you also have like a different language for styles of writing. Yes. So uh, sarcasm or like... Uh, yes. You know, oh my God. Okay. Another note for you all. <laughs> um, my I Actually, uh, the thing you teach in, in the topical authority course, I think one of the, I don't know, new concepts that I'm still trying to get my head around is the source context. Yes. Which is, that's not uh, something we, we, as most SEOs and, and people who kind of understand SEO talk about. So what the heck is source? It is mainly, actually, it is the thing that actually search engine calls as the primary focus. In the helpful content update announcement, for instance, they have a section there and they tell that try to justify why you are writing it, which means that actually don't chase the traffic, do not open a page or a query just for taking the traffic. They first try to understand as what type of a business you are trying to rank there. If you are trying to rank for credit cards, are you able to accept any application or not? If you are not able to accept any application, it means that even if as a user, I click your website, eventually I will need to go to the another website, which means that until I perform my actual end goal, I need to go in two websites. But if a search engine ranks an institution that can accept the applications, in this way, search engine can satisfy them faster. So they calculate actually distance to satisfaction in this way. And based on that, actually, they try to understand what type of a business you are and for what section it is justified to rank you. If your source context, which explains who you are and how you make the money. So basically... How you make money and who you are explains your source context, which means as who you are talking about this subject. If you want to go for, let's say again, numerology, if you want to go for, let's say the race cars or luxury cars, if you want to go for, let's say the some certain type of pills or products for the health, you need a kind of valid reason to process these things. If search engine sees that you don't have a primary focus and if they see that you just chase traffic to just rank for that areas it means that actually you are not able to touch the real world activities of the users because imagine that you just want to buy a flight ticket but instead you click a website that just explains how to buy a flight ticket it doesn't it has the relevance but it doesn't satisfy you and it, it just adds extra clicks extra web pages until you are satisfied that's crazy so basically the source context kind of forces us website owners to everybody have a, a business context a business context so um this what, is also this is also uh, connected to why I am telling don't create niche websites, create niche brands. Because since the Vincent update in 2009, Google gradually decreases the rankings of websites while increasing the rankings of the brands, brands that have real world existence. It is very much more important from Google's point of view. First of all, you are accountable, which means that there is a real business behind the web page. If you harm someone, eventually you will be able to be found and you will be able to actually get a kind of, let's say, court or something like that. But if you are just a blogger who gives wrong information, suggests the wrong stuff, we don't even know who is behind the website. Mm. It's one of the actually ways of search engine to keep everyone safe or they try to find risk accountable, responsible websites with real-world existence as a business. And that's why the source context needs to be justified for processing that specific topic. For example, if I am processing the photograph machines or let's say the cameras, 
whether I am actually processing it as a course website or photographers, whether I am processing it as a manufacturer, whether I am processing it as an affiliate, or whether I am processing it maybe just a lens engineer or something else. I need to position myself as a named entity in the topic. I should have a kind of entity-based relevance to the topic to be able to rank there. And this is one of the problems of these latest websites that are hit by the helpful, co helpful content update. They don't have a primary focus. They try to rank for anything that makes money. Mm -hmm. And usually these are not connected to each other that much. Okay, okay. So if, if I was an affiliate website today, I should uh, should I own the product or should I just focus on one single product like the best cameras and only talk about cameras? You don't have to own the product. But for instance, if you have any kinds of legal connection to the one of these manufacturers, to be honest, it would be helpful. That's why if I am a strong affiliate, usually I try to make the my affiliate partner, which means the person who pays me to link me as well from their about us page or somewhere i just tell them that please state my website or brand name in your about us page or somewhere in your website as a let's say partner website and i don't let's say i don't position myself like an affiliate i position myself like an expert for the subject as a let's say reviewer or a kind of tester for the quality of oh, these products how you define yourself inside the subject actually matters for the perspective of the search engine. That's why in some certain core updates, for instance, you see that aggregators lose traffic, but banks, let's say, increase their traffic. Sometimes it's not about what you do, actually. It's about which cluster of the websites are chosen by the Google. As an affiliate, you can do everything right for SEO. But if search engine once decides that for these queries, affiliate websites are not creating the satisfaction, they can start to rank direct e-commerce websites mm -hmm. rather than you. And sometimes when they decrease the rankings of the overall affiliates, they just choose one of the representatives, let's say the strongest affiliate website, the one website that represents all the cluster. Usually it is protected. It doesn't lose that much, but rest of the cluster just goes to the, to be honest, garbage okay. from the search engine point of view. This is actually called information foraging, which means we create a search engine result page and we create another one, then we create another one. Let's say we put one aggregator to the first ranking then we put three banks under that. Then we change their places. And let's say we put two aggregators to top and eight banks after that. And search engine starts to test these different type of SERPs and they try to understand which one creates highest level of satisfaction. If they see that there is no need for two aggregators, in the SERP to satisfy the users, they will get the most comprehensive, accurate and higher page rank one, and they will keep it and the rest of the cluster will lose the traffic. So sometimes as an aggregator, you are not competing against the bank to come to first page. You actually compete against the most representative, most authoritative one. And to be honest, this is how the topical authority methodology is born. It is created for taking the place of existing representative one. If you want to replace that specific source, for instance, you need to cover everything in a better way than that. So the search engine in their tests, they can keep you there as the representative. Representative means that once they rank the representative, one, there is no need for the rest of the cluster because that representative already satisfies all the possible search activities, all the possible probable probabilities based on the word distributions, all the context. It is already satisfied there. The rest can actually be like the banks. But imagine that as a user, again, for the credit card application or bank account application or something like that, would you like to see 10 different aggregator or 10 different bank accounts or bank websites in the SERP? Which one is better for you? For example, I am asking you. One more time asking. Imagine that there are 
there is a search engine result page and it has 10 different affiliate websites just for credit card application. And to be honest, all of them rank the same credit cards according to the, how much commission it pays to the affiliate. Yeah. And they just, let's say, promote one of the one that pays most mm -hmm. and they just rank these things. And another search engine result page, just one aggregator, let's say, at the top three and the rest is just banks for your own examination. Which one do you think that is actually more helpful for you to get a credit card with less clicks? Right, the banks. Yeah, Banks, course, because yeah. direct in this, mm -hmm. in this approach. And this is one of the reasons that most affiliate websites are losing traffic because they are not needed in the search. And most people don't look at the things from the point of an engineer. As an engineer, if I'm ranking one aggregator and if it is good enough, I will rank one aggregator. I don't need the second one. Mm -hmm. So based on this website source context, if you are an affiliate, you should know that you have limited amount of potential there. Mm -hmm. And if you want to replace the specific representative one, you will need to be adding some extra nuances. For example, in my situation, I was adding actually application form. Just because of the form, I was increasing my rankings, even not the content, just the input area and the form. When you ask the name, when you ask the email address, phone number, search engine thinks that you are able to accept an application. Mm -hmm. And we were using it, for instance, there. Even if we are not able to evaluate the application, we were just gathering the lead, for instance. I see, I see. All right. So source context is a little bit clearer now, which kind of foreshadows like affiliate website have to pivot a lot. Uh, but I really like your sentence when you said like, you know, don't create niche website, but niche brand. Niche brand yeah. And that will probably go more further than just a website. Like if you need yeah. a brand, you probably have a podcast like me or any kind of social signals. Yeah, any brand signal like yeah. email lists, email newsletter mm -hmm. or Discord community, because you need to create a difference. Right now, many people in the SEO industry, they just want to create a simple website with automation and they want to make money. The main problem is that 10,000 people want the same thing. Yeah. So the search engine will actually always find the thing that is hard to do because these hard things to do actually differentiates a brand from a website. And they will always be checking these type of things, even in the quality rater guidelines and how they are working. They are actually talking about these type of things. When you look at the web page, do you feel that there is a real accountable business behind the web page or not? And sometimes even payment methods can actually prove that if you just accept the payment based on crypto, but if no credit card, no nothing else, it's, it's a little bit sounds shady, to be honest, as a user, you will feel it. Yeah. And all these algorithms might check these things one by one and create a kind of like so overall score or collection of different scores in different verticals. Mm -hmm. And all these things matter, to be honest. That's why I say that every pixel, every letter and every byte matter. The holistic SEO. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. And it kind of gives more kind of chance for people like me who want to do more other stuff than a website mm -hmm. to like jump in and, and help and then have a contribution in a business like that. Um, so I would like to move on to like the other side of Koroi, which is, you know, you are more than just SEO expert. I see you as a business owner. I see you, um, Thank a, you. <laughs> like a key opinion leader. Thank you. KOL is that? Oh my God. I'm giving you fancy names over here. So, <laughs> um, but like, seriously, like when, when I attended your private mastermind, I, I showed up to your SEO meetup. I was like, I felt special. I felt like, I know that. Thanks so much. Like I felt so happy when you said yes to come back to the SEO mastery summit. And it, um, which leads me to this question is like in your head, what is the value that you, you swear by, you go by that had helped you to establish this, uh, successful 
presence in the industry and of course in your business and, and in your company? So when when I started to do actually the SEO, as I say, I you usually just like doing it. But after a point, you start to realize that, especially when you start to know some important names in the industry, you realize that actually they don't focus on SEO at all. They don't, they don't talk about SEO. They always talk about business and they always focus on one thing, which is just the growth. And once you start to get the same mentality, you start to change your focus a little bit and you try to focus on how you can actually make your employees, let's say, happier or how you, what kinds of SOPs you can create or how you can scale the business or how, and how you can actually make your, let's say, community members happier. And once you start to get that brain reflex during the day, whenever you see something, you start to actually get the kinds of notes at somewhere in your head and you start to implement it. And I can tell that to me, rather than being the best SEO in the room, actually being the best business person is actually more important and I started to focus on that side as much as possible and when it comes to the community leadership I don't look at it like a business to be honest because it is a kind of bound a kind of personal bound with the people while we are in the Chiang Mai for instance all the things that we did here it was way much more valuable than any kinds of money because when I see their smiles their friendships their memories it's something that I can't measure with the other type of numbers so when it comes to the community I see it like a kind of extended family for me and I like how they are actually getting each other and know each other and have their own memories for example just other day a few different groups they did their own inner let's say brainstorming meetings it was very happy to see that because I know some of them like from three years ago some of them two years ago I know they are backgrounds and once I see that it's, it's like it makes you really happy I can tell mm -hmm. when it comes to the business side of the things I can tell that actually usually I try to start to focus on my own projects rather than the client work that much and a little bit the course because I still need to complete some missing parts there I will be adding some new lectures so I can tell that I don't have that much hobby the other day even yesterday someone asked me what are you doing when you are not doing the SEO and I said that SEO doesn't leave you that much time to do something That's else true. to you always need to read stay alerted even now there are two different updates that are ongoing on so i just if i am not doing seo i usually just lift weights but this is usually for psychology and if i am lucky i am reading a little bit and then i am loving my cat a little bit if i'm able to catch it <laughs> then i just again work actually it's it's the life for me i can tell that's incredible i hope that anybody who will listen to this have seen like how Korai has been working so hard over the years and now and even while you know you are on your honeymoon right now right and like, you're still on my in a show <laughs> like come on guys like the level of dedication that goes into his work is incredible um your course will be available again in uh, which month i believe so we are in near November, I guess in January, early January, I guess I will be opening it and I will be adding my uh, conference speeches and I will be adding new topical maps, new explanations, a few new concepts, new samples. And we will be also starting sending the personal topical map feedbacks next month as well. So some community members will be happy, happy about it. I also know that. And I can tell that this is a unique course in the SEO industry. The other courses, they don't have this type of this amount of detail for a single thing I can tell and at the same time our community and the community members when I promote them for instance I really feel happy when they get new clients or when they get new JV opportunities thanks to these promotions it also makes me happy as well and we already became like a new SEO corner in in the field and it makes me really happy and that's why for instance SEO Master Summit is important for me too because in Saigon and around the SEO Master Summit we have lots of community members and it makes me happy as well. Amazing. All right. 
And my final question on this podcast, uh, as the aspiring CMO, uh, where we talk about marketing and entrepreneurship, I would also want to ask like a self-development question from you is that if you were to go back in time, knowing all your experience and knowledge and wisdom, what is the number one advice you would give to an aspiring CMO? They will love it. But, <laughs> but stay in casino, to be honest. Well, <laughs> Yeah, the thing is that when I when I lose the PBN, uh, and there are many other things that happen, to be honest, uh, I'm not able to tell them here, maybe private, like and explain. But I left the casino industry. Uh, why I can't tell that staying in the casino will be a good thing. But this is a little bit funny answer, I know. The one major answer that I can give that can help you is that never interact with the negativity. It will just create more negativity. Always focus on your own goal without any kinds of, let's say, hype or without any kinds of things. Just close your ears. And even if people say good things about you, again, stay humble and just focus on your own goal and continue to do the same thing every day. You will never regret for doing that, I can tell. Because when you focus on your own goal with in a humble way, you will realize that actually eventually you will be getting what you want from this life. Yeah, I, I can tell. I love, <laughs> I love that so much. I love this so much. <laughs> and you. it goes back to the same thing where we were saying is that the reason why, you know, the course launch was so successful and like people show up for you is because you've been living through this value. Show up humbly, humble and negativity. Yeah. Don't even like <laughs> interact with yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining the show. Always. This is amazing. I've been Thank you. so happy. And yeah, I hope you have <laughs> a good so much. Day time. <laughs>